But how many knows this morning that the name of Jesus is still above every name? Amen. And I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful for his presence in our lives. This morning, if you have your Bibles with you, Luke chapter number 6, Luke chapter number 6, we're going to begin. And as I get ready to dive into this word this morning, I pray that every one of us will just allow the Lord to speak to our hearts today in the manner that he sees fit to do so. I will give you this disclaimer. This is what I really sense and believe this morning before I get started today, and that is this. The message that I'm going to preach this morning and the message that I'm going to preach tonight in this house very well could be the two most important messages that I will preach all year. I believe it is that important. Now, I didn't say it'd be the best message I ever preached, so don't you gauge me on that, but I'm talking about the context of it, all right? I really, truly believe, as I've been alone with the Lord, that the message this morning and the message tonight is a message to the people of God, and we need to hear what the Lord is saying. Amen. How many knows that things are changing? Amen. So we want to dive in today. And uh, Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse number 46 through verse number 49. The Lord had help us this morning. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Let me read that again. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat violently upon the house and it could not shake it. Tell your neighbor, said it could not shake it. For it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not. Tell your other neighbor, say doeth not. He that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did violently beat upon. And immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. For a few moments today, our subject is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. And what I want to talk to us about today is this, why call me Lord? Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. Anoint this vessel today, I pray. Lord, to speak with compassion, love, conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I'll give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. It is quite common to hear people say, I believe in God, or even to hear them self-identify as a Christian. But upon further conversation, it doesn't take long to see that their definition of being a Christian is much different than the biblical definition of a follower of Christ. Now, I'm not 
coming from a place of judgment this morning, so please don't receive it as such. But at the true definition of a Christian from a biblical perspective is simply summed up in this, an individual who is a Christ follower. There is an overwhelming majority of individuals in our nation and nations around the world that identify as Christian, but yet they have never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There is an overwhelming majority of, and I can use this as an example, I have been going there for seven years now, the oldest Christian nation in the world, the nation of Armenia. It has a rich heritage as been open to Christ. But when you begin to speak to those that live in that nation, you will see that if they are Armenian, they will self-identify as I'm a Christian because I'm an Armenian. And I have been born in Armenia, so obviously I am a Christian. And when you begin to speak to them, many of them have no understanding of what it really means to be a Christ follower. They know their history, and they appreciate their history, but they don't understand what the biblical requirements are for a man or a woman to really be a Christian. And the same can be said throughout the world. But upon this conversation and understanding the difference between a biblical definition or the self-identifying things that we hear today in our culture, because I don't know, and I've said this often, but I don't know if you have read uh, any obituaries lately, but everybody goes to heaven and everybody gets their angel's wings. I, I wish that was true, but, you know, I, and, and the, the travesty of this is I have sat in funeral services over the last three, three and a half years of my life, and I did, for, for a few, for two and a half of those years, I worked nearly every day in a funeral home, and I, I preached hundreds of funerals, but I've sat and helped conduct and lead many others. And the, one of the greatest travesties is that I hear ministers of the gospel, and I'll put that in quotations, that they put everybody in heaven. Please hear me today. My father taught me something very early on. He simply said this. He said, son, you will be asked to do many funerals, but please know this, you will never preach anybody's funeral. Their life preaches it for themselves. So he said, don't ever try to put anybody anywhere. Just put them in the hands of God. That's what I try to do. So I'm not trying to put anybody anywhere this morning, but I want you to hear the word of the Lord this morning. You see, because the biblical definition versus what we have today is very different. And I'm going slow this morning on purpose. But in Matthew chapter number 10, verse 37 and 38, the word of the Lord says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Think about it. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me 
is not worthy of me. You say, that's a little harsh. Look, when you read Luke chapter 14, 26 and 27, it says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciples. These are the words of Christ. And whosoever doeth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 33 of that same chapter says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. But then you go on and you go flip backwards to Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Which brings me back to our text this morning in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? I believe what we must revisit the true meaning of the word Lord this morning. Lordship or to be Lord means this, one who has authority, power, and control over another. May I ask you the question this morning, does he have authority and power and control of your life? I believe it is clear that one of the greatest battles that we have is that of surrender. Our flesh continues to war against our spirit. A man has an issue of coming under the authority of God. A lady has an issue with coming under authority of her husband. A child has an issue with coming under the authority of mom and dad. It is always an issue of surrender. Paul, however, shares his struggle with us in the following passage in Romans 7, through 25, he said, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. He says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with this mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. What he was simply saying is there is this tug, there is this war that we experience as we walk through this life. We are non-exempt from this fight. Please hear me. It doesn't matter if you've been saved 50 years. However, we must realize the only way to overcome this battle is to make him Lord of our lives. It is only when we acknowledge and gain the true knowledge of the sacrificial offering of the Lamb of God that we will truly embrace him as Lord of our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you hear this passage quoted around this house all the time, verse 19 and 20. It says, For what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have heard of God, and you are not your own. If you identify as a Christian, as a son or a daughter of God, please hear me, you are not your own this morning. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Please hear me today. You and I have a responsibility, and that is not just with our spirit man, but with our temporal body, we are to glorify God. It is amazing to me 
that through the course of a lifetime, we will witness men and women. They will nip, they will cut, they will tuck, they will pull so tight to make look like they're 18 when they're 85. And they will spend such, they want to make their body so glorious. And they live a lifetime and they never use their body for what it was originally designed for. And that was not to bring glory to yourself, but to bring glory to God. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I want you to look the best that you can look. So you nip and tuck and pull and do and whatever you need to do, all right? But whatever you do, your body should be bringing glory and honor to him. How do you do that? By simply picking up your cross every day and following him. That does not mean it's easy. That does not mean that it's just because you identify as a Christ follower that you're never going to have no more struggles. You're never going to have no more opposition. I'm going to tell you something. When you start waving the banner of Christ, uh, just get ready because especially if you're going to do something uh, to bring glory and honor to him, the enemy sees you as a threat. Please hear me. But if you read also in 1 Peter chapter 1, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed, in verse number 18, with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with, with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for who? For you, for me. Notice, it has often been said through the years that I owed a debt I could not pay, and he paid a debt that he did not owe. I believe that to be true. But I am not so sure that we truly understand the price that he willingly paid for you and I. Now, the weight of our sins that he carried and the sacrifice that he made so that we could live is truly breathtaking. Because of his investment in you and I to this morning, we should willingly surrender, for without him there is no life in us. You say, oh, I was breathing just fine before I followed Jesus. No, but i got to take you back to John 3 and 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Now, Notice with me, if you go on over to Romans chapter 6, verse 20 through 23, for when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What, what fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now been made free from sin and become a servant to God. You have your fruit unto holiness, and the end of that is everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, which is Jesus Christ, is eternal life through him. Now, Ezekiel chapter 18, verse number 4, says this, All souls are mine. That means saved, unsaved alike. They all belong to the Lord. However, the soul that sinneth, it says, it shall die. Didn't say it might, but it said it shall. Which brings us back to our text, why call me Lord? It is not enough 
please hear me this morning, to simply call him Lord. To call him Lord this morning just simply means that you're giving him a title. However, while to make him Lord means you choose to promote him to be the ruler of your life. Anybody remember this passage of scripture? Joshua was nearing the end of his life. He calls Israel before him and he simply says these words, choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what he was simply saying there? He was simply saying, you all can continue to call him Lord if you want to, but that's not going to benefit you. But as for me and my house, we have made him Lord. There's a great difference between calling him and making him Lord. Howard Pittman made this statement concerning this topic. Most of you probably don't know who he is, but I'll tell you about him in just a moment. He says, we have many mouth professors and few heart possessors. Here is a word of warning to all that will hear this morning. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. I want that to get in our spirit this morning. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Malachi 1 and 6 says this, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Proper word for fear there would be, where is my reverence? Please hear me. I stand before you today with a very heavy weight for souls this morning. I'm not standing before you this morning because I needed something to do. I'm standing before you today because there's a push in my spirit to ask the question today, why do you call me Lord, Lord? The modern theology of man is causing many to err in their pursuit of eternal life. May I give you the words of Christ this morning. I know it's a little somber this morning, but please hear me. John 14 and 15. This is not my words, but these are the words of Christ. If you love me, keep my commandments. How many believes that's a significant verse this morning? So what is the, what is the commandment that we're supposed to keep? What we reference to as the great commandment is simply this. Is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy strength, all thy might, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And the second is as great as the first. Upon those two commandments hangs the law and the prophets. That's what your Bible says. So the great commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy might. 
which then gives us, if I love him with every fiber in me, then I'm going to put my hands to the plow. I'm not going to look back, but I'm going to look forward, and I'm going to pursue after that which God has called me to. So what has he called us to? Matthew chapter 28, the last few verses of that chapter simply tells us that we are to go into all the world and we are to preach the gospel. We are to do that which he has commissioned us to do. Let me ask you the question this morning. How many people have we ministered to this week? How many people did we invite this week? Uh, Listen, if you love me, keep my commandments because not everybody that calls me Lord, Lord will enter in. Can I tell you, this is some heavy stuff this morning. John 14, 16 through 18, and he simply says this in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, but then it follows up, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells within you and shall be in you, and I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, but notice verse 19 through 21, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more but you see me because I live Uh, ye shall live also and at that day ye shall know that I am in my father and that you're in me and that I am in you and he that hath my commandments and keepeth them he it is that loves me and he that loves me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and I will manifest myself to him I asked the question this morning, why is there such a lack of manifestation in the church in America and around the globe? It goes right back to the simple fact is uh, that we have given him a title, but we have not made him Lord. I can give you a title, but that does not mean that I surrender or submit to you. Uh, But when I come to a place where I understand uh, that the word of the Lord says uh, that he that loves me will keep my commandments, uh, and he that keeps my commandments, uh, it is he that really loves me. And and if he loves me, then automatically, uh, then the Father will be loving him as well. And then I will also extend my love to that individual, and there will be a manifestation of my presence to him and that means this uh, that there is a there is a presence of healing there's a presence of deliverance uh, there's a presence of victory uh, because of the simple fact uh, is because uh, that individual uh, is not just calling him lord uh, but they have made him lord of their life uh, can i tell you i can stand in victory today uh, not because uh, of anything that i have done as an individual uh, other than the fact is that i made a decision uh, to say you are Lord of my life. Uh, Even when I don't understand it, I'm still trusting you. Uh, Even when I don't like it, I'm still trusting you. Uh, Even when it absolutely looks like it's upside down, uh, I'm still trusting you uh, because I made you the ultimate authority of my life. Uh, You have the power and the authority uh, and I give you the permission uh, to lead and guide me and direct me. Uh, Listen, uh, it is not... Not enough to call him Lord. Please have ears to hear that this morning. I mentioned Howard Pittman a few moments ago. He departed this life in 2019, just a few years ago. He was a pastor, he was a teacher, but he also was an author and a police officer. But on a particular day, August the 3rd, 1979, 
he experienced an unexpected event that changed his life forever. He was in good health and he had no idea that on this particular day that he would go through a traumatic experience. He was walking into a bank for a meeting because at this time he was involved in a political campaign. He was running to be a sheriff of the town in which he was serving. And at the same time, he was a teacher and he was pastoring all at the same time. And he was very much going to be likely the leading candidate. And he was walking into this bank because this was a particular bank that had a lot of sway in the community. And he had a niece that worked there and she had set up a meeting and he put his hand on the door and he walked in. And as he walked into the bank, all of a sudden, unexpectedly, he fell to the ground and his niece ran to where he was and said, what's the matter? He says, I have no idea. But he said, cancel my meeting. And he made himself back out to the car. You have to realize this is 1979. He said, I just need to go home. So he got in his automobile and he started driving home and he got halfway home and he was completely not breathing correctly. And as he tells his story, and he had to, he was almost in a state of panic. He gathered himself and he made it the rest of the way home. It was an 11-mile drive from town. He opened the door of his home just to collapse on the other side of the door and nobody was home. After a short time, his wife arrived and found him laying there hemorrhaging and she knew he was in trouble. She scooped him up, put him back in an automobile and took him for an 11-mile drive back to the city and rushed him into the hospital. Upon immediately getting there, they saw that he was in trouble. They realized that they could not do anything for him at that particular place, so they put him in an ambulance, and they started to a bigger hospital. As they began to take this drive, all of a sudden, he took his last breath, and he crossed over into a spirit world. For 15 minutes, they had no pause. They had no breathing. Everything was over. But he says during this time, something happened. Once he brought back, he came back with a five-point message for the church that God gave him. And from that time till he passed away in 2019, that's what he did. He preached a five-point message that God had gave him to the church. It's powerful. However... It was during his encounter that he saw something that troubled me greatly. I can't say that it surprises me, but it troubled me greatly. And I began to just dive in and pray into this a little bit. But while he had been a preacher of the gospel, he had been a teacher of the gospel, him and his wife was what you would call good people. They had four children of their own, but they had had 32 foster children that they had taken care of through their lifetime. And they was giving hope, and God was using them to administer care. And he said when he got there, there was, there was this hesitation. He couldn't, he couldn't go into 
the gate of heaven. They said, if you go in, you can't come back. But he was like, I wanted to live. I didn't feel like my time was over. And he said, I was in this pool and this tug. And he saw, saw all of this darkness and all of this stuff was going on. But, and, he, and he starts talking about what he encountered. But they said, we'll give you an opportunity to present your case, if you will. And he said, I knew I was presenting it to the Lord, but I didn't see the Lord, but I knew he was there. And he said, I began to speak to him and tell him, well, I've did this, and I've did this, and I've done this, and I've done that, and, and I've done this. And he said, I laid it all out, and he never said anything until finally he simply said this. He said, I know you did all those things, but you didn't do those for me. You, th- you did those for you. He said, what do you, what do you mean? He said, you did those for you. You didn't do those for me. And it startled him, and he said, I, he said, I could not believe that this voice was speaking to me in this manner. And he said, and it got silent, and then he came back and he said, then I realized this voice was talking to me. It was as a father with, filled with compassion. And he said, I couldn't say anything else. But he said, during this time, he said, I got to see the Lord's harvest. They showed me a 15-minute window of the Lord's harvest. And he said, on August the 3rd, 1979, he said, in a 15-minute period of time, He said, I watched 2,000 individuals walk up to the gate of heaven. And he said, only 50 was permitted to go inside. When I began to look at that, it was equivalent of 2.5% of those that was standing there. And this is what his conclusion was. He said, I sincerely believe that if the Lord would have called his people home on that day, August the 3rd, 1979, he said, I believe the Lord let me see that only 2.5% of those that identified as Christ's followers would have made heaven their home. I began to think on that, and I was like, why call me Lord if you don't do what I say to do? I brought that to modern day. In this moment in history, they tell us that there is 8 billion people on this planet. And let's just say that 8 billion people, and if that number was still somewhat true today at 2.5%, that would simply be the equivalent of 200 million people today. If the Lord was to come right now, 200 million people would simply hear these words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, come in. That seems like 200 million, that's, that's a decent number, but it's a terrible number. It's an extremely low number when you take that and realize that the other 97.5% may not hear that. You know what that number is? That 97.5% of the 8 billion is simply 7,800,000,000 would simply be cast out. I'm going to tell you something today. There is more than 200 million people on this planet that simply identify as Christian. Now, I'm not saying that is the number that's going to... I'm just using that as an analogy this morning to let you realize that when you come back to Matthew chapter number 7, that it simply tells us not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Stay with me. I'm hurrying this morning. Before you get to chapter 7 and 21, you have to really read 13, 14. 
Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Here is the travesty this morning. There is men and women that will, throughout their adult life, they will come to services just like this. They will bring their family. They will set. They will lift their hands in worship. They will clap their hands. They will give their offering. And they will volunteer for everything that you do. But yet they will not surrender to the Lord. And they have just given him a title. And they have not made him Lord. And they will not make it to heaven. I stand by what I said earlier today. This probably is one of the most important, if not the most important message that I will preach this year. Because the world tells us that anything and everything is acceptable. But if you're going to continue to grab a hold of this and, and eat this whole pie, you have to read verse 15 of chapter 7 in the book of Matthew as well. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Uh, even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a cor corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewed down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. I'm going to ask you today, how do you know somebody by their fruit? You know them by their fruit by looking at how they are using their body and their spirit. Is it glorifying God? I want to ask you this question today, and I'm getting ready to close. Is he Lord of your life? It's a very simple question. Is he Lord of your life? Are you allowing him to lead you and guide you in every area of your life? Or are you making the decisions and then asking him to bless your plans? Think about it. If he is truly Lord, we will have no problem walking in a state of surrender to that which he reveals to us. We must obey his commands and his instructions our lives it does not matter what everyone else may say I understand this morning that we are not saved by works I understand that salvation is a gift I understand that we don't earn it I'm not talking about that but I also know this that Abraham proved his faith by the works that he did please hear me if you have made him Lord of your life, you will not be running after your selfish desires and plans, but you will be running after a harvest of souls because you will be aware of the hour in which we are living. The Holy Spirit come to show us things that was and is and is to come. There's another passage in Scripture that nobody wants to talk about and give credence to in our culture today. It's because the gift of and the office of a prophet has been hijacked by hirelings. 
but there is a word in your Bible that simply says that he does not do anything unless, first of all, he reveals it to his prophets. And there is a prophetic utterance that tells us in the spirit today that the return of the Lord is near. And if you and I are truly followers of Christ, we will not lay our head on our pillow in comfort and ease and not be disturbed by the lostness of humanity. You hear me this morning. Why do you call me Lord if you're not going to do what I've asked you to do? He's not asked you to be pretty. He's not asked you to be perfect. He's not asked you to do anything other than to be an ambassador for his kingdom, to take his message to a lost and dying world. Uh, listen, it's wonderful for us to be here today, but why are we here today? Not just to say, oh, you look pretty. Uh, not just to say, oh, you sounded wonderful. Uh, not just to say, oh, we are in the club. No, uh, we are here to be edified and equipped uh, to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, not to be in here dancing around yes that's part of it uh, but to walk out those doors back there uh, with the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost in our life uh, where we can go penetrate darkness uh, and see somebody delivered somebody set free uh, somebody healed uh, somebody pulled from the pit of hell uh, but can I tell you uh, it is only when we make him Lord of our life uh, that we begin to burn with a passion for that so this morning why do you call him Lord? Listen, as they come to the music. If you just repeat after me, you, you, you don't have to worry about it anymore. You'll never find that in scripture. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. I understand that. But unless the spirit draws a man, There's a lot of people standing in places just like I'm standing this morning that is going to make a generation continue to believe that they're okay just because they said a few words that man told them and they've never been taught that if you're going to make me Lord, you're going to have to surrender to me. I got to talk to everybody in this room. If you are truly a Christ follower, you, follower, you do not get to choose. That means this, if he tells you to go to Africa, pack a bag and go to Africa, I'll send you a check. I'll help pay for you. Because we have to be in the will of God. That's right, buddy. You, you just keep preaching. We are in a place today where the world tells us that it doesn't really matter. I'm going to tell you how messed up theology has become by men. I recently was with someone that is working in a very rough part of the world. I mean, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable at all. There is a great level of danger for what they're doing and where they're working but yet they have been indoctrinated with a theology of predestination, which I have a really hard time with, but that's 
not a message this morning. But my question is this. Why in the world would you leave the comforts of America and bring and put your family in harm's way and suffer and do all of this stuff if the people are going to die and go to hell anyway? Or if they're going to go to heaven anyway? I said, I don't understand that. I have a simple brain. Maybe you have a better brain than I do. I, I don't have a, I, I, I'm just a simple man. Listen, we have led people to believe so many things that's not biblically strong, biblically correct. We celebrate the commentary of men, but we turn our nose up at the infallible word of God. You can call him, Lord. You can give him a title. But please hear me. There's no protection there. There's no strength there. There's no provision there. There's no peace there. There's no rest there. There's no joy there. But when you choose to make him Lord, every one of those things settle down upon you. That's why the psalmist David could write Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. He prepareth a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Can I tell you, what he was simply saying is, I don't call him Lord. I've made him Lord. I wonder today, is he really Lord? It would be so sad. It would be so sad to call him Lord all your life. It's kind of ironic today, and I'll close with this because this is one of the most precious memories that I ever have in ministry. It is probably one of the highlights of my ministries. For many, many years, my buddy, my friend, Brother House, would come in and sit in this building, sit right over there on that side. He would come faithfully. Him and Nancy. They go all the way back before we was even on this property, all the way back to 1703 Columbia Avenue in a little white block building. What a, what a host of memories we have. I remember even as a kid experiencing him come in and sit under dad's ministry. And Nancy, I believe, came... 1981, 1982, somewhere around there. It was started in 1980. She was there shortly after. But oftentimes, Brother Charles would come, but then it became more frequent and more frequent. And for the last 24 years, nearly every service, unless they was out of town with family or doing something, they was here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Charles would always give me a smile 
he would always faithfully and financially support the ministry, him and Nancy. On a couple occasions through that 20-year period, a little over 20 years, I think on two occasions, I went to him and asked him, I said, would you like to pray? And this is what he said. He said, I'm, not, I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready. I said, okay, okay. He called him Lord. He acknowledged him as Lord. But about 10 weeks before he stepped into eternity, he stepped from that seat that he always sat in and he came and he stood about that fourth square right there. And I knew he wasn't feeling well, but he said, can you pray for me? And I said, yeah. And then he we had a little conversation. And I said, Charles, would you, would, have you ever really gave your heart to the Lord? And I said, I know you love him, but have you ever really gave, his heart, gave your heart to him? And he said, I'd like to today. I set my head, hands with my friend. Not knowing just a few weeks later, he would hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But this is what he said. After he prayed, there was just a smile and a glow. And he said, I don't know why I waited so long. But he knew something that I didn't know. And it, it's never left me. Because he said this, I don't know why I waited so long, but he said, I just about waited too late. See, I think he knew. I think God's grace and God's mercy let him know. He said here, Year after year after year. I think the only reason he really fell in love with me is because one day he saw me pull up at the old block building on Columbia Avenue on a motorcycle with a suit and tie. And it was then, then. He was like, that's it. He's my guy. Can I tell you? He was a faithful friend, him and Nancy. But I can... Stand here with complete confidence today and say this, if I finish well, I will see him again because he didn't just call him Lord, but the last 10 weeks of his life, he made him Lord. I say that to say this, you might be in perfect health today, but you have no promise that you will lay down in your bed tonight you have no guarantee. You have no idea what could happen between now and bedtime. This may be the last message you ever hear preach. I pray it isn't. But I pray if it is that this is the day that you make him Lord of your life. <coughs> Calling him Lord does not guarantee you entry. I don't care how many Bible verses you can quote. I don't care that you got baptized when you was eight or 80, but have you made him Lord? Have you sold out? Does your life belong to him?
not talking about religion. But does everything about you belong to him? You know why I'm going to get a plane on a plane next week? It's because I belong to him. Not that I really want to. Physically, I got to give you a whole list of reasons why not. But I belong to him. Why is it that there's this push, there's push, there's push? Why is it? It's because I belong to him. Walk from this house, and by God's grace and mercy, we'll walk in here next Sunday, and you can call him Lord for another week. But you'll never experience his fullness. Or you can walk out of this room today, making him Lord today, and you can walk with power and authority, and you can make devils tremble at the mention of his name. So I wonder today, do you call him Lord? Or have you made him Lord? As we stand all over the house this morning. Why call me Lord? Why call me Lord? I was in the office this morning and my little buddy come and hung out with me like he does every Sunday. He said, I want to look at pictures, Paul. He'll take my iPad and he'll go to the pictures and there's thousands of pictures on there and he'll giggle and laugh. But when he clicked on it today, there was a picture of me and couple of the guys from the church where we had built a ramp a couple years ago for uh, Brother Ronnie Slango that's in heaven now. And I thought, man, you don't have to be, you don't have to be old to depart this life. But in the middle, as I was just thinking of that and reminiscing and about that day, little Jackson, he, he pointed to the guys that were standing beside the ramp for a little photo op. He pointed and he put his finger right on me and he said, that's my Paul, I love him. I wonder today if we could take our finger and look at our heavenly father and point at him and say, that's my, that's my father. Oh, I love him. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus.
first love me. You're under the sound of my voice. Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. You'd say, preacher, this morning, I acknowledge him as Lord. But I don't know if I can say with 100% confidence that I have truly made him Lord of my life. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand and you can put it right back down. Is there anybody in this room today? God bless you. Thank you for that hand. Here's what I want to do today. I want to give you an invitation for who truly is wonderful and he loves you enough this morning. He says, if you will cast every care at my feet, I will take it and I will carry it. I will take every sin and cast it into a sea of forgetfulness never more to be remembered. You just have to make me Lord. If you've never yet surrendered your life to the Lord or if you've surrendered your life and you would acknowledge that, you know what, I'm not following after him in the manner that I should, but today I want to change that. I want to give you an invitation to come right now to the front of this building. I want to pray with you and pray for you. Will you come? This is not a place of weakness, but this is a place of strength. This is a place of victory. This is a place of opportunity. Church, would you just pray right now as we sing this chorus again? Would you come? I want to give you an invitation. If he's not yet Lord of your life, would you come? Love Jesus because he
Lord, I pray that this word would cause every one of us to do a self-evaluation of our lives, to soul search this morning, to ask the hard questions. Are we truly glorifying you with our bodies and with our spirit? Have we truly made you Lord of our lives? For Lord, we do not want to just call you Lord. We desire for you to be Lord. For Lord, we trust you. We yield to you. And we submit to you and only you today. So Lord, today I pray that you would be with us, that you would lead us and you would guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. you this morning we want to say thank you for watching today we pray that this message blessed you and if it did please feel free to subscribe stay up to date with what we're doing here as well as follow us on our other social media platforms help us reach more people across this world for christ we love you all we pray that you have a blessed day and we pray that we see you again soon god bless